Sellers Advocacy is a service that we provide and we seek out the right agent to sell your property through. And it could be that you're time poor, you don't want to interview agents, but you do want to know how successful they are, what their rating is, how many properties have they sold, what was their marketing expense. We do fine tune that for our clients and we do interview like the top three to five agents in a particular area. So if you're based in Sydney, but you're selling an investment property in Adelaide, you may not be on the ground and you don't know what to look out for. We provide that service as well. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello, everyone. Back again with another episode of She Renovates. And I have one of my business besties here, Joe Videlo. So we're sort of on the countdown to She Renovates 2023. And Jo is one of our sponsors and she's part of our incredibly valuable Brains Trust. And I just wanted to, I guess, I'm sure you would have heard Jo on the podcast before, but when we have speakers come in, I like you to have some sense of who they are before we actually get to the, the event. And so welcome, Joe. Oh, such a pleasure to be here. I, I always love not only speaking to you, Bernadette, but I love I love your community. It's just such an awesome spirited community and renovating is definitely something that I always just it sounds like a big property nerd comment to make, but I'm always constantly inspired by what people achieve. So it's, it's always fun to be part of your community. <laughs> well, thank you. And we love having you. So do you want to firstly just give us the abridged version of what you do and the value you bring to your clients? The elevator pitch, per se. Well, yeah. yeah. But I was trying to be a bit more sophisticated in how I asked it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a professional property buyer. So I support clients that are first time, well, not first from first-time buyers to really experienced investors, people who are looking for their own home, time-poor individuals, people who just know they need to outsource some of the, I guess, as you mentioned earlier, brains brains element to it, buying property. So we support people through um, the full gamut of doing the search, the due diligence, the negotiations, and being there throughout the entire process, right down to potentially just attending an auction on their behalf. So it's a little bit of a bespoke service that we do provide people And I love helping educate people along the way. So some of our clients have used our services two, three times and along the way they've learned and now they're flying free and every now and then they give me a little bit of update on what they're doing and it's it's, it's really, it's a nice feeling. Yeah, that's awesome. And something else that you do that doesn't often get talked about, but I feel that we should talk about it more often because I do find even some of our Wonder Women sometimes omit this little step, and I think it's really critical, is the seller's advocacy. Yes, yeah. And that's, yeah, that, and seller's advocacy is, yeah, you're right, I do probably omit that, but it's a service that we provide and we seek out the right agent to sell your property through. And it could be that, again, you're time poor, you don't want to interview agents, but you do want to know how successful they are, what their rating is, how many properties have they sold, what, what was their marketing expense? And there's a lot of there's a lot of the time trying to get all that information and talk to people. So 
we do fine tune that through our clients and we do interview like the top three to five agents in a particular area. So if you're based in Sydney, but you're selling an investment property in Adelaide, you may not be on the ground and you don't know what to look out for. We provide that service as well. Yeah. I think that it goes further than that. Like, like I think it's a really critical service, particularly for someone that's either selling out of area or is selling something that they're quite emotionally attached to or are quite inexperienced at selling. If you are only sold a property every two or three years, you don't really, you're not really up to speed with how things go. And what often happens is that you will find sometimes that you either question whether your trust in your agent is valid or you'll question the things that the agent comes and tells you. And you, you sort of sometimes can feel like the agent's pulling the wool over your eyes. It's really good to have a third party, someone between you and the agent to really have your back. And the other thing that a lot of people don't know is that a seller's advocate negotiates their their fee from the agent. So you can actually have that service for nothing. Yeah. And, yeah, and I really encourage our women to use it. Um and like when I'm out of area, I use it too. I just think it's really critical. And so, Joe, often when I talk about that, a lot of people say to me, well, if if the agent, if the seller's advocate gets their fee from the agent, surely that must mean that the agent, why would they give them a fee and mm-hmm. how does that work? What would be your answer to that? Yeah, because people suspect there's a conflict of interest sitting yeah. there. But in all honesty, we've interviewed agents before and some have actually offered a small commission. As really? You know. so, yeah, so, but that's not going to sway me if you're not the best person to provide the service. And my reputation all sits on every every last client I've worked on. That's as good as the last client I worked on So or worked with, I should say. So um, the usual rule of thumb is an 80-20 percentage split. So if that agent's yeah. paid 1.5%, as it may be in a capital city, yes, they do pay us a 20% referral fee and that's all above board and, and disclosed to all of our clients if ever there's a fee involved with that. Um, but every agent that we do speak to, every agent does it. But it's one of those things, if someone gave me a referral, and they ask for the similar affiliate commission. Uh, to me, I, I'm quite happy to pay somebody a referral fee. I don't have a sales team. So those, it's a very typical structure that is done in, in in a lot of industries, but in particular yeah. that real estate industry in that game. So, yes, so some agents have said, look, I'll pay you 30%. But that's not going to win them the business if they don't have the rungs on the ladder, if they yeah. don't have good marketing prowess. I have just recently did this for a client. He's selling two investment properties, one in Melbourne, one in Canberra, and one of the agents, I had to chase and chase and chase and chase. I think you've you've got all the five star reviews, but you can't return a phone call. How am I? How's that going to be for a buyer trying to get an answer out of somebody? And even as a buyer's agent, when I'm on the hunt for a property, some of the agents I deal with, I find astounding. It's like, how did they win the business? Poor communication, tardy response time. There's been one example where I I had to chase like begging, like texting. I want to put an offer in, return my phone call. This went over about two or three days. So in the end, I actually did contact the solicitor through the contract. I got the solicitor and said, I want to put an offer in. (laughs) Like I just can't get this person on the phone. Incredible that it does happen though. Yeah, yeah. And so as a a vendor, 
they front up to you all professional and and so you have really don't have any idea of how they behave so yeah so anyhow that was a random thought that just came to me as we (laughs) talked because when yeah anyhow I won't go down that just on that I also the seller's advocacy one of the best um, market share we do get is adult children helping mum and dad sell their family home and we're talking about a generation that possibly hasn't sold for 30 or 40 years And there's a lot of emotion tied to that property sale. So we have been there to hold their hand, to meet with the agents. I know Greg told me he had a client when when the the gentleman was waving his hands in the air because we could hear the auction in the background. And then when the hammer slammed down, he burst into tears. You know, because it's hugely emotional for that generation that didn't transfer property ownership time and time again. This is where they raised their families. So it's And for adult children who may not be around for mum and dad, who are busy, who have got families and work full time, it's wonderful that we can enter into that arena and just give them some tips on how, and and also possibly in a kinder manner to say, probably need to remove some of the family portraits around the house and possibly declutter a little bit. And it's about getting you the best price. And so it's, it's, it's an intermediary role that we play, but I know it's a very important one. Yeah. And I think that having that independent feedback like with any person selling property or particularly renovators it's really critical because I must admit when I early in my career I used to have a an interior designer who I'd get to go through and just tell me what she thought and and the reason I did that is because I knew everyone I asked my friends would say it's fantastic but she had a critical eye and she was willing to be unpopular and and you you need that you need honest feedback because particularly as women we don't really want to say to someone actually that sucks and (laughs) that really it's the kindest thing to do because you're helping them to avoid a big mistake yeah it's hard to take feedback on your own home too like it's that's a really ugly piece of artwork. You may not want it there or this front room that you love, all I can see is the traffic outside. We need to, let yeah. it, you know, move, get this area staged, things like that. But it's there's ways of telling people about it and you do need that blunt feedback yeah. or, you know, there's ways of yeah. doing it. But yeah. it is definitely part of my role that I have to do that and sometimes it's a little yeah. bit of a hard conversation. <laughs> I can imagine that. Like I'd be quite good at it because apparently I am blunt. I find that really hard to believe. But, but you do have... You, you do have a much kinder nature. <laughs> it's all in the narrative. That's all it is. The message yeah. is the same at the end of the day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so what I thought we would talk about today, now that we've got the intro out of the way, is what you look for when you're looking for a project for renovators. So let's say, you know, one of our women has come to you and said, I would like I would like you to buy my project. What information do you need from them? And then what criteria do you use for finding a property? And maybe give us an example. Yeah, of course. So uh, as a buyer's agent, it's really important before I start working with someone that they have got a pre-approval or that pre-approval is within a handful of business days imminent. They know what the number is. I like to know, understand where they're looking to buy. So that obviously that's kind of important, the sort of property they're looking for. But when I work with a renovator, I really want to understand their skill set um, because some people are a little sometimes overly ambitious about their time and their skill set and what they can do or how much they can achieve with their budget. 
So my questions are, what is your purchase price budget and how much money do you have thereafter potentially to, to actually do the work, to implement the work? Now, if they say to me, I've got $30,000, I know that's going to restrict how much we can, what, what I'm buying and how much they can actually do to that property itself. So I take into consideration also their stage of life because if they're working full-time and they've got school-aged kids and they live an hour and a half away from the project, that's really going to, I'll have to tell them some pretty hard, like the same, you've got to have some really hard conversations with people. If you do this on a weekend, it's this is just a weekend project, it's going to take you 18 months. Is it really worth it? You're better off spending X and doing less. And then so I have to have a lot of those really upfront conversations with people before I start working with them. So working with, with renovators, I don't want to put people too much into a big structural overload of work. Um, it's it, For me, I find it easier if we look at ease of cosmetic upgrades, if it's light switches and lights and painting and adding a deck at the back and things like that. If their budget's really tight, is it a timber kitchen? They can they paint the facade to lift it up and put on new bench tops. So it really is a organic flow of understanding what their skill set is, how much money they've got, how much how much time they've got, and and bringing that all to the table. Because the last thing I want is to buy someone a project and find they're going to have the 1950s bathroom then for the next six years because they don't have the budget to fix it. Yeah. 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 So, and, and if someone, and I have actually had this conversation, if people are too ambitious, I'm just like, I can't deliver that for you. Like the reality of what you're asking me to do, it's not achievable. Like what happens on the block is a TV program and you're not going to make $700,000 at auction necessarily. Like you need to be really realistic about this. And people forget to time in their time. They really yeah. forget to have that as a factor. And I had this conversation with a client recently who did buy two and a bit hours out of his, his home area. He's a tradie himself. And he's and part of his criteria was like, I want to be within a drivable distance. So if it needed work, I could do the work. But it's like, but that's four to five hours round trip for you to do something that you could pay someone $120 to do. Like what that's your time. That's a day out of your weekend or a day off the tools of your own business. For what? Mm. So you you get the $120 job, but you've just missed out on the $800 job around the corner. Yeah. So again, it's being really honest with my clients and telling them it's better to outsource it. I mean, sure, if it's an enormous job and you've got the skill set, by all means, go and do it. But really make those concentrated considerations and what's what's the right decision and what's a false economy decision as well. Um, and you mentioned like just recently, we did purchase a property for a client and it's a bit of a two-in-one deal where it had a beautiful like beautiful granny flat at the backyard the best one I've ever seen best one it was really yeah best I've ever seen August 2022 it was completed furnished very high ceiling skillion roof line even had a fire like a faux fireplace inside so really beautiful the deck was also off the granny flat was almost the same footprint as the interior of the granny flat so it really felt spacious beautiful then we cut to the house <laughs> and here we have your 1992 brown brick, three-bedroom, one-bathroom, cliche property, tired kitchen, great location, really good location, but the front house is a bit daggy. So we are actually in this con conversation right now and he's sharing with me their, their concepts and their thoughts about here's the spreadsheet, this is what we're thinking of doing. There is a few things that have to be done because of the age of the property, bit of wear and tear. Each bedroom's got its own special feature wall. Here's the purple one. Here's the, here's the dark blue one. That's very um, 90s. Yeah, very much so. So to them, it's about, when I've had this conversation, let's, how about you just paint everything inside white, take it back to the, the kitchen's functional. 
at the moment, maybe that's all you need to do is actually do. And the other consideration for them, one is the yard is really overgrown, but beautiful. But that's a really heavy elbow grease and a skip bin kind of workload there, but a weekend's workload. And then do you paint the facade? Because honestly, if, if that's what they want to do, because it will detract from the glory of the granny flat at the rear, because this is all that's an investment property. It's one of those areas of White House, you know, would it's coastal, but it will look nice and it will lift the game a lot from that curb, that curb appeal as well. Or do you just leave it as is and save that dollar for when you want to put it back on the market? So we're just in that balancing of the do we don't we right now, what's what's critical? And then that that other one comes up where how about you you just do the part of the house that you can actually see from the street? You don't have to paint the back. Maybe it is just making it look a little bit more sexy from the front. And it's so, again, it's talking to my clients around that and their budget and what's critical. They can be rented as is. However, it'd be more appealing if you just did make everything a bit more neutral interior. Absolutely. And I also think that if you leave it really ugly, you'll get ugly tenants. (laughs) Ugly behaviour. I agree. you want someone that takes pride in their surroundings. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And yeah, so right. the next thing I want to ask you is how are your projects going? They're going. They're going. They started. So <laughs> I've got the Sydney project where I'm building um, the Taj Mahal and it started on Monday of this week. So I went over there oh, today. Really? Only Monday. Only Monday. It was meant to be September 28th. In actual fact, it was probably meant to be 2021, but here we are. September 28th was meant to be the start date and I was very excited to see people on site this Monday. I just went there this morning and, um, yes, there's people doing things. There's a porta potty on site. You're like, yay, people, humans, things are happening. It's very, very exciting to see activity. However, they are cutting rock and with that comes some hefty extra charges, I suspect. <laughs> Did you know that? Did you know that before you started? Did you? Yeah, there's an allocation. There is an allocation for it, but there's all those variations that I've been told to brace myself for. And you have to. When you're building, you just have to have a contingency plan. When you're renovating, you need to have that kitty. It's the best laid plans could fall apart because you have a leak and you don't know and you leave the property for two days and come back and find you need to do the flooring. So all these things happen. So yes, we've got the kitty sitting there for it, but it's sad to see it sunk in rock as opposed to decking around my pool (laughs) so that's Sydney and then I've got a dual key property in the Brisbane market that should be wrapped up in the next month so I'm very excited to see that one come to fruition too and is that the co-living one yeah one part of it will be co-living and the other half I'm going to have a permanent tenant Awesome. So, yeah, no, it's very good. So today I've done my due diligence in terms of the other costs that people forget to factor in. So I've found out what my depreci- depreciation report is going to cost me. I've got a group lined up that come in and do the handover inspection. I'm paying a premium for that, but the builder will come back and fix the bit. So you want to make sure you don't miss it. They they look at the top of the door. Is the top of the door being painted? Is, there, is every door not tight? Is it all the tiles have been grouted, all these things that they go over it like a fine tooth comb. So it's an expense that you must factor in and, and have to have to do if you're, you're doing that whole buying and selling of new build. That's my husband's speciality. He actually drives me nuts because when we, <laughs> finish, a project, <laughs> when we finish a project, he will go through it with a fine tooth comb 
And to me, it's finished and he'll come with this list a mile long. All these things have to be done. Oh, my gosh. Anyhow, yeah, yeah, yeah. good outcome in the end. Yeah. yeah. It's when you're a good team, you're the macro, he's the micro. Exactly, yeah. That seems <laughs> to work quite well. Sometimes it leads to some conflict, but we've been married for nearly 40 years, so I think we must be over the bumps. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> I think we've done a pretty good job of this. How's, how's Greg and the kids? Oh, oh, the families are going really well and all thriving, so thank you for asking. You are um, very welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah awesome. no, but yeah, life's good, life's good. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on today. Fantastic. Thank you, Bernadette. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.